Checking for me, bud. Checking for me, pod. Wait, you already heard the theme song. It's time to get into it. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins, and we're glad to have you here checking us out like ain't nobody doing. What's up, Rach? How you feeling? <laughs> um, I'm feeling great, living better. Uh, I am, though, I got to be honest, checking for the end of January. Mm. Um, I'm having an extra dry January. Dry um, as hell. <laughs> Yo, dry ass January. Um, it's true. Bone dry, just a bone marrow ass January. I decided to do a cleanse mm. um, that involves taking out anything that you'd want to eat. That's like your gluten, your sugar, your everything nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, doing a cleanse as a white person uh, kind of just seems to tether me to my white race even more. I feel mm. extra white on this uh <laughs> this month doing this you know not to say of course that like other you know i'm sure people of a plethora of races do cleanses oh yeah but i just feel like when white people do it you're really sort of vineyard vines you know <laughs> Whoo, absolutely absolutely that is a very very white activity yes. and but i i applaud you uh for doing better for your body Knowing that your mind and the minds of so many other people went through some crazy shit that absolutely deserves a drink in all of 2020. It's like, hats off to you, but also, are you okay? It sounds like you're just like putting yourself through it, you know? Uh, we're rooting for you over here. Yes. I mean, the plus side is you know, I am I'm a regular, degular bowel girl, okay? Every day I wake up and my bowels just sort of sing, good morning, Baltimore, and hey. work very functionally for me. There you go. So um, I'll leave it at that. Uh, it's there is an upside, uh, an upside that I will eventually give up in one short week. And that's the um, scoop on the smooth poop, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Rachel Jarofsky coming in hot over the pot. Okay. <laughs> wow, that is rough, Cody. Uh, what's going on with you? What's new? Yeah, you know, Mother Earth is checking for me right now. She's very upset that I am one of many people. Uh, in the Writers Guild, side note, not sure how I'm still in there. Thank you all very much for <laughs> keeping me a part of the club despite having not worked since the teens, like mid-teens. Anyway, uh, they're still sending out screener DVDs and screener scripts to like the four-year consideration stuff. And while I appreciate being a part of the process, someone's got to tell them, I am done voting. I'm all voted out. I'm done thinking about elections and, and picking winners and losers. I'm exhausted. Also, what am I supposed to do with all these damn discs? Like, mm -hmm. I, I only eat so many meals in a day. I don't need this many plates. I certainly don't have anything to put them inside of and watch it on. Like, come on now. And then you're going to put the press on me to delete the disc. And if I don't do it and somebody else find it. Like, if a crackhead digs through my trash and finds an undestroyed disc and then burns and flips that motherfucker, but well, nobody's going to buy it. It's streaming. You can just watch it on Netflix. I, right. It's just a lot of stress and, 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 frankly, a lot of paper, you know? I, I, how can they connect the dots to you? I'm like, look, slide those discs my way. I'll move those shits in Prospect Park South. Feel me? Okay, <laughs> have them gone by the end of a Saturday. Sell them up at the Green Market in Grand Army Plaza. Set up a little stand. There you go. There you go. Everybody comes by. Hey, 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 hey. You seen One Night Miami? <laughs> you seen 
You got Amazon? Oh, you ain't got it? Okay. Oh, you got you have Amazon. Oh, you have you you have your cousin's password. Okay, never mind, never mind, never mind. Oh, yeah. everyone at this farmer's market has <laughs> has Amazon. Got right. it. Okay. Right. Let me just take down my stand. You know what? The upside is our guests are mm. energizing. Our guests are just a snort of espresso on a Monday morning. That's not how I start my Monday, but I think some psychopath does. Oh, oh, I know you want to hear who they are. Oh, everyone is. And don't forget, it's it's guests. Mm. It's plural. We got a pair. It's a it's not an apple. It's a pair. It's a two people. Dose, dose. That's one. That's two. That's two people that you're going to have to fucking wait to hear who they are because we're going to bring the beat in. Okay, we are in this. We are in the virtual studio with two guests that are just going to make you squirt. Sorry, but <laughs> felt right with these two. Uh, Bash and Lucy Hendra, the powerhouse brother-sister duo behind Historical Homos, which is both your queer history coffee table book that honestly I should have on my fucking gay ass bookshelf in my apartment. Okay. Yes. All women that I love. And, um, also historical homos is a vivacious Instagram account that takes the deep dive into the who, what, where, and hows of queer history. Bash and Lucy, thanks for joining us today on the pod. Thank you for having us. And we are ready to squirt. <laughs> Fantastic. Really glad we're in the virtual studio today. Uh, can't can't ruin my house hoodie. Um, <laughs> Bash, Lucy, so excited to have you. Let's dive right into what you guys like most, uh, history. But this time, let's talk your history. When did you two decide to crack open the underrepresented and often purposely suppressed Dear Diaries of History, dismantling the straight and represent it in all of its truth like this? I mean... Was there a catalyzing incident or did historical homos just kind of bubble up over time? I um, threw a history textbook at Lucy's head. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, wow. When you say it like that, we sound really accomplished. Um, <laughs> so love that for us. Thank you. Um, no, I am a, a self-described overeducated queen. Um, I have always loved history. I studied history in um, college and uh, did a master's in uh, ancient Greek literature because I'm a masochist. Uh, <laughs> so I, I've just always been reading this stuff. Like it's, and, and I, I don't know when it started bubbling up. I guess it was like in 2017, like yeah. um, four, four years ago or so, uh, three and a half years ago, that I think I read like five different anecdotes about five different homos, queers, whatevers from different mm -hmm. eras. And I was like, holy shit, like this stuff has been going on forever. Like not a, not a surprise, but you know, it is kind of a surprise because right. like you said, it's a suppressed narrative. Like we just don't, it, it's always a little throwaway comment or anecdote. It's never right there in front of you. So 
it just sort of popped into my head that there should be like a gorgeous coffee table book, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started talking to Lucy about it because Lucy is a graphic designer. And immediately we were like, hold on, um, we are actually millennials. No one writes books anymore. Uh, <laughs> so let's like, let's do it on the gram. Let's try to build a little audience. Um, and then let's go from there, like launch whatever we want, you know? Um, and it's, but it's always been a collaboration from the beginning where I'm like, you know, the nerd and Lucy is kind of more the pop culture, like connection. Like, I mean, Lucy, is it fair to say you don't read? Uh, it is absolutely fair to say I don't read. Um, I went to art school, not the Cambridge School of Design is not where I intended. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. But no, definitely. Like, it's always, it was definitely always a collaboration, but I think it was Bash's um, nut baby. <laughs> My brain nut. Your brain nut. Um, but I think one big thing was like, I am kind of the sort of target audience that you want to go after, which is someone who doesn't read or have the kind of academia behind that. Mm-hmm. I do read, by the way, just to clarify. Hey, it's okay if you don't. If yeah. there are pictures, I read. <laughs> <laughs> and and so if I could sort of interpret it and understand it, then we would kind of see it, how useful it would be to put out in the world and make it really digestible and pretty and fun and lighthearted. It doesn't always have to be. It's repressed, very dry history sometimes. Yes. I mean, that that was the other thing was like, I mean, also just spoiler alert, Lucy is in fact heterosexual. Oh, yeah. Um, Get out. No kidding. That's like half the people in this virtual room. <laughs> Love my straight brethren. Continue. She is truly an ally. I mean, in terms of like sexual appetite and cultural sort of milieu, I would say she's more of a gay man than I am. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> That's fair. That's yeah. fair, right? I don't want to speak for you, but um, no, I'm rolling. But I, that was kind of an important part of it. Was like it was like Lucy said, it was bringing this history to the masses who are not just the queer masses, um, but you know everyone should know about this. And also, it's just fun and funny, so like everyone can be entertained by it, um, no matter what your sexual persuasion. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you guys really put the fun in fun facts. I'm so glad you busted this brain nut. Um, (laughs) But I'm really I'm really curious about how you did it, because I feel like the further you go back in history, the more intricate the locks on the closet get, you know, like. So how Mm. do you go about unearthing all these fun facts? Because I frankly had no clue that Abe Lincoln had a down low only fans. You know what I'm saying? And it's only because. I was on your Instagram that I found that out. So break it down. How do you how do you find all of this inside like info? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that fact. It's interesting that you bring up that fact <laughs> about Abraham <laughs> and his OnlyFans. Um, I mean, actually, the further back you go in history, yes, the locks are sort of more intricate. But because of that, because we know less, you can kind of play around with it a bit more, and and you know experiment a bit more um, in terms of imagining what it was like to be queer back then. And a lot of people like, so I read all of these academic textbooks. It's always like, um, you know, really, uh, what's the word, really strict about who we're allowed to call gay and what is actually homosexual and what is bisexual. Because the, the idea being like homosexual and bisexual, these terms didn't exist back then, right? They, they didn't have cultural meaning um, because sexuality didn't sort of exist in the same way. So I'm here 
looking at two boys railing the shit out of each other <laughs> on and I'm like, oh no, yeah, totally. They weren't gay. Like, come the fuck on. Um, so a lot of it is kind of just like immediately breaking down that academic barrier that is like, you're supposed to think of it in this way. Um, which is very restrictive, right? Um, and so it's very, I think we both have a lot of fun doing the sort of older ones, like when yeah. we're, you know, making fun of the boys railing each other on the vase or like, and I mean, the vases are many, you know, it's just <laughs> not like one off. A lot of railing. That's another part of your question is like, this evidence is actually everywhere. Like, right. it, it's not just like a little thing here or there. There, I have this amazing book that is just like every Greek and Roman document that references any kind of gay shit. Mm-hmm. And it's huge. It's like a right. big ass textbook. Um, so there's a lot to play with, number one, um, in terms of original material. And number two, there's a job to be done of just being like, actually, everybody alive today, you have a right to connect yourself to these people who lived so long ago and who may not have called themselves gay, but exhibited similar behaviors and even exhibited similar like prejudices. You know, like there's a there's a Roman poet who writes about um, gay guys being limp wristed um, and he's and he makes fun of like them swaying their hips. And it's like, all right. That is like a RuPaul's Drag Race commentary like yeah. from yeah. 2,000 years ago. Um, and so it's just sort of waiting to be positioned, I think, in a way that is uh, culturally relevant now. Totally. We always sort of went off this thing that it was like 50% fact, 50% fantasy. Like we have to sort of be creating that fantasy that people want to see because most people don't want to just listen to a bunch of dry facts, which is where bash's hilarious writing comes in and then like and then you i sort of take usually read what he's written and can extrapolate these weird worlds like visually um which is very fun to do yeah and and you'll and like that's why we also have that sort of pop culture vibe you know of like um the bright colors and like making it feel like it was made in this century but it's all taken from elements that come from way um, way older periods. And actually we don't like doing stuff about the 20th century. It's too obvious, you know, it's like, yeah. it's too close. We know, we know that they're gay. We, we, we know that like Truman Capote was a little homo. Like we know all, you know, all of these people, um, it, it, the, the exception being like in some other kinds of histories, you know, like we did a lot of, um, black queer, um, profiles this year, um, and that history is different because that has also been sort of suppressed in a way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like the history of the blues singers and how they were just a fucking free for all, like anything right. was going um, at those parties in the twenties and the 1910s. Um, and, mm-hmm. and mostly women actually, mostly like bisexual and, and queer women who were leading that charge. Um, so that's, that's when it gets interesting too, is when it's like intersectional, you yeah. know, with like other narratives that need to be kind of like recentered. Yeah, I feel like you guys in a lot of ways are sort of like interrupting how society views sexuality as a whole. Because it's like, you know, yes, it's like you're providing, you know, these these more well, like queer people that were like out and about queer historical figures like your James Baldwin's or something. But then you're also providing these like snapshots of queerness and fluidity um, that are, were like very behavioral based, you know, back, back in the day and kind of pushing back at like, 
everyone's idea of like, this is a straight man, this is a gay man, and you do this if you're that, and that if you're this. Um, (laughs) Thank you for coming to my play, Uh, which is... Which is also what I enjoy so much about it is like you're you're making folks rethink these these categories, so to speak. And I think we've gotten like modern day LGBTQ plus people have gotten very, you know, and I don't mean this in a like bitchy way, but very sort of precious about our identities, like because they're much more clear cut and like people right. are more out, so we can really connect with each other in a different way. Um, but that also it's unstable, you know, like, and actually for most of human history, given like all of the work we've done, I'd say the norm is bisexuality, right? being more fluid in that sexuality, which is what everyone is always like, oh, everyone's a little bisexual, you know, Um, (laughs) except for Lucy, the gay man. Uh, (laughs) A lot of it is, has to do with being um, of a certain class, you know, because that's, those are the, those are the sources that survive. It's, It's like, this, the story of rich people is actually what history mostly is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and so there's, a, there's an interesting thing there around like sexuality being different if you have the means to not worry about having to, you know, make kids um, to work on your farm and like support your meager life. Um, right. But yeah, so like just by looking at stuff like that from comparing ancient Greece to like James Baldwin, like you get a view of sexuality that is completely different, I think, than the way we think. We think of it as something much more fixed now. Yeah. Um, in terms of it being your identity. But back then it was more a behavior. And it just like, it was like, do whatever you want, dude. Bash, you, in terms of like spotlighting, to quote you all, the queers of yesteryear, you like going way, way, way. You're drawn to the way, 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 way back narratives you know fucking the odyssey type shit (laughs) my one greek reference uh you guys read the odyssey we can answer later uh lucy what is what is your what's your sort of favorite or what era of of queer of queers do you um do you find most interesting what 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 era of history do you like pulling your queers from um i i love to pull my queers also actually from ancient times just because one when I'm like creating stuff visually it is just so beautiful and satisfying to do these like things with statues and there's so many artifacts that are um that you can find like if you go on the Met like website you can literally find these gorgeous like gilded artifacts that you can put in from ancient Rome or ancient Greece or in Egypt and so kind of creating those alongside these more fantasy driven narratives is quite is very fun for me because there's again a lot more like wiggle room and what you're allowed to do. Um, but I also do really, really love sort of the early um, 20th century. I think like doing like there's Virginia Woolf and then you go into sort of mm-hmm. like Josephine Baker and sort of World War II kind of times. Like Josephine Baker was this incredible, I mean, she was a performer. She was performed in the Moulin Rouge in Paris and like mm-hmm. Folie Berger and all these like fantastic places. But then she became a spy in oh, wow. World War II for the French resistance was poisoned at a dinner with uh, Goebbels, was it? Ger- Hermann Goering. Yeah. Goering. Like one of the lead Nazis tried to poison her fish course. Yeah. And then oh, she wow. escaped through with arsenic, escaped through an elevator shaft and then went <laughs> and then just went on to live and a, uh, quite incredible life and adopted like 20 
children from all these different countries. She's very anti. She's all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I do find those sort of stories quite fascinating, um, especially when they're women. I have mm-hmm. to say, because mm. I think that's one big thing for me is, you know, I am I am a straight woman. Like, there's no there's so brave no, of you. <laughs> no, but there's no getting around. I've literally people have been like, so who are you to kind of be part of this big LGBTQ big um, thing? And, you know, what, who are you to speak for us kind of? And I've always maintained that as Bash was sort of saying right now, everything is so fixed and there's so many boxes and you have to only like apply to one, but really there's a kind of wonderful and beautiful unifying part of like, I'm a woman, you're a gay man. There's struggle on both sides, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we have to separate even further and tell the world, this is why what I've gone through is so much harder than what you've gone through. It's more, how can we use those two shared, but also different experiences to learn and create a, a different world that yeah. one of us should be um, oppressed in. And if that makes sense. history is is good for that because history belongs to everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's something that is also always a motivating factor in this is like making this shit accessible to people who otherwise wouldn't read. go, who don't read, <laughs> but who also like, even if you do read, like this stuff is mostly in like dusty tones, you know, that are very academic that no one is going to want to read. It's not accessible. And then actually something Lucy said earlier, it, it's also very often a, Debbie Downer of a tale, you know? Right. It's like we've just had a lot of repression in in our history as well. And we're not trying to sidestep that or not honor it, but I think we're also trying to say a lot of these people who lived incredible lives just also happened to be queer, you know? Right. So we can also just talk about how amazing their lives were and use their queerness as a reason for talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes something that belongs to our community and that we share with the rest of the world, you know? You know, people often say history is written by the winners. What I'm learning in this conversation is also written by the straights. And if there's one thing uh, that, you know, I can say as a representative for all of us, it's that we lack flair. You were talking about trying to find an audience initially. Uh, Was this the sort of great idea that people just kind of gravitated to and uplifted? Or was it kind of work to push the popularity and highlight the stories? Hmm. That's an interesting Hmm. question. I think maybe a bit of both. When we started, I mean, we were making some dumbass shit. It like, <laughs> it, it was <laughs> like the visuals, the dick jokes, they just were not top. They were not, you know, our gold standard. Um, but then as we kept like, re- like, what's that word? Iterating, you know, like doing it over and over again. Um, I think we really, I really found a voice with it. Um and Lucy really found a style, um, which is like so dada and pop art and amazing and allows us to combine all these different elements. Um, and then I guess we kind of met people in the middle with that, right? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of demand for this content. And actually, we started this three and a half years ago. I have seen like I'm not saying we're responsible for queer content exploding, but I have seen like queer historical content being pushed out all over like Netflix, mm-hmm. you know, also shows, books, movies, um, almost always with straight actors playing those mm, queer you gotta love it. people. Yeah. Just love that. Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci playing two <laughs> gay men. <laughs> Most recently, yeah. But um 
but so I think we also hit on a sort of trend that was happening of people being interested in this content and these stories that came from, as you said earlier, Cody, like underrepresented voices, right? Which has been a thing for a while, but in in, in academia, especially um, women's history, queer studies, all of that. But now it's like it's mainstream time for those stories, you know, which is amazing. Um, And every time I see a new, like I, I have a Google alert for gay history and queer history and like every other month there's some new show announced exploring something and I think that's what's awesome is like we're I feel like we're a part of this up ground swell you know of interest in this content and obviously we caused it right no it's so true uh me and my girlfriend are re-watching the l word and we decided to look up who all is actually gay on that show and it's like maybe two of the main characters really really and i just sort of had to dry heave for 30 minutes you know what i mean it's just like wow every sex scene now is like kind of a lie i mean will and grace was the same thing kind of like will and grace was the first time there was an actually gay actor playing the gay and he wasn't even the lead you know it right. was like i mean he was better but uh um, he was better but he wasn't even the lead and i feel like that show was sort of our first our first sign that like queer content was going to be represented differently. Um, But still we're doing the same thing. Like we're still having this debate about can, can gay people like play these roles as well or not even like, are they around? Like, are are they available? It's like, there are enough gay actors (laughs) clamoring to get like booked. And actually that's one of the, um, next pieces that we're going to do is on like the old actors of Hollywood. Um, like James Dean, Marlon Brando, um, Carrie Grant, Tab Hunter, Rock Hudson. Like the list just goes on and on Mm because there were all these like gorgeous debonair men who were symbols of like masculinity at that time in Hollywood. And a lot of them were like by queer questioning, you know, um, and desperate to hide it because it would have ruined their careers. It's been in Hollywood for a while. And, and, and even with like Marlena Dietrich and uh, Greta Garbo and some of those older female stars, mm-hmm. they used to literally have these like um, parties that were called, I think they were called knitting circles or sewing circles. So it was supposed to sound kind of like, oh, we're just hanging out and being doing what gals do, sewing right. things together. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, they were code for like, let's get drunk and touch each other's parts. Right. Um, And so Greta Garbo and I mean, Marlena Dietrich was like the most belligerent bisexual known to man. And there are Mm -hmm. stories of all these like straight female actresses being like, can you please stop? Like (laughs) you are coming on too strong. Um, But she was just like betting one after the other. Um, and, And so that has that was also part of Hollywood was this like secret queerness that was actually about teaching younger actresses, like bringing them into the fold um, through these like queer channels, which is really fascinating. Bringing them into the fold through different channels. I'm just going to no pun it on you. (laughs) There's a vein about to burst in Cody's forehead right now as he fights the urge. (laughs) I mean, this is just, just set up for him. It's like, when you have the alley oop and you decide to grab the ball and just land, and land, you just, <laughs> <you> just land, <laughs> and then die right there, just Rude. turn to dust. Okay, what I would actually, I, I love to hear. Okay, so let's start with Lucy. Lucy, what is your definition of being checked for? My general understanding is to sort of 
be introspective as if you're, especially if you're putting something out into the world, um, make sure that you're being introspective and sort of questioning where and why you have a rhyme or reason to be doing this. Um, and also pay attention when other people do come for you when it's necessary and take on that kind of advice. Rachel, I feel like that's a first that we've gotten that the, the introspective checkery uh, to make sure that like you, you check and make sure your shit is all lined up and ready to go. Thank you for cracking my mind up to, to that now additional addendum to the definition. Yeah, that's cool. Cause it's like, it's a, it's like a very personal definition for checkery that is between you and, and yourself, which I, which I'm now weeping about. Apparently I'm so moved by it. Um, but I think in terms of like, in terms of more, uh, Let's let's think of it. No, I'm not going to limit it in that way. In terms of checkery in general, whichever definition like you are going by in this particular moment, what is the ideal medium for historical homos? Like a series of books, a podcast, like fuck, fuck around a wing of a museum, which I could absolutely see. Um, a movement. Yeah, like let's let's dream. Let's dream big here. Like where could you really see this land? Where would you really want this to land? It's funny. You just said a wing of a museum. Cause literally in like our dream world, um, when we, we used to live in London together, um, mm-hmm. when we were working on this, we were living in London. Um, and I was always dreaming and we actually even made a pop-up gallery, um, for one day only, um, in, Oh yeah, literally, <laughs> um, in, in London. And, we really wanted it to be like a physical presence. You know, there's no, um, there's no queer uh, history museum in England um, of any kind. Like there are just different archives. Um, but I just love the idea of like bringing it into people's faces, you know, like through events, through like cabaret shows, through drag shows, like mm-hmm. just giving people like the permission to use queer history as like a way as a new way to like um, create, you know, I thought that was a really interesting idea. That's kind of like taken a backseat, I think a bit, because now we think we think more about it as like a series, you know, um, we're actually working on a podcast version of it right now. Um, I, I think it, it would make an incredible like short form TV thing. Yeah. Uh, always been in dreams, like create these incredible sets. And I mean, from visual standpoint and like yeah. really, sort of like um, um, get like that immersive experience or even like live events doing that, that would be such a sexy dream to do and just really get, get people in a space and have them experience what it's like to be gay. It's almost like um, if for the TV version, like Drunk History, you know how that you know, was? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say Drunk History or the new, have you guys seen that Netflix, The History of Swearing? Uh, fuck. Nicolas Cage sits on a couch and tells you where the word fuck came from and, and, you know, all the other ones that, that I could see, I see it in my brain. You're creating. That's exactly what I'm. I'm thinking in my in my brain. Um, I can't wait until we partner to pitch this to Netflix. Here we go. <laughs> um, but drunk history, like some of those episodes are so out of this world funny. Like, oh yeah. There's one where there's an incredible. I can't remember her name. This black comedian, but she is so funny, and she's ta- telling a story about Cleopatra or. Um, yeah. Some someone some ancient Egyptian and Aubrey Plaza is playing um playing Cleopatra. So you just have her like increasingly drunk 
like <laughs> increasingly drunk comedian going off as Cleopatra, like talking to herself. And Aubrey Plaza is just like bugging out, like hitting every single line. And it's like, that show is just so well, that guy is a yeah. genius, whoever came up with that. Um, but I want to do the gay version of that. Like yeah. has to happen. Um, Cause those, and, and there were a few episodes of it that, that dealt with queer themes, but um, I think there's a difference now when, because we, we're living in like the, the RuPaul era um where there's so much queer talent bringing like stuff like this um and 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 bringing it to life in a new way whether that's live although not now because of the pandemic or or in like tv form so there's just like all this talent that i think would be amazing to apply towards this activity of like making queer history a shared experience for people i have to say like some of the best times we ever had doing this were the live events yeah. that we put together um, we once partnered Which with Which I went to and it was a whole ass mood. And I'm and I'm mad oh God, that yeah. we weren't like friends then. I mean, Lucy, I hadn't even met you when I went to that when I went to the historical homo uh party at someone's uh, someone's yeah. loft in Soho. That was the first time we met, I think. Because I had been in London for so long. Yeah, but you were very hustle bustle that night. I don't even know if we got I don't know if we got a moment. I'm like, yeah, your ass was really hustle bustle. Didn't have time for me. No, I'm just kidding. I totally get it when you're putting together something big. You don't have time. Uh but yeah, no, I mean that was just I feel like that is a that that was like a taste of of sort of all the IRL historical homo magic that could occur. Lucy, what's your what's your pie in the sky form of checkery for historical homos? Um, well, I mean, it's sort of the same because we always, again, we live together, work together. We do we everything think as one, we together. speak as one. Um, but it is kind of, it's a good thing in a way that we're always sort of on the same page about what we want to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we both still also have a fantasy of making it this like beautiful coffee table, like proper one, um, coffee table book or series, which I'm a graphic designer and art director. So I'm a whore for like a beautiful mm -hmm. layout and all that. And that's really what I, I love doing that. Um, so basically a book party plus a book TV show and podcast. That's, <laughs> that's really where I'm going with this. It's really not too much to ask. Uh, okay. Before we get out of here, uh, I we need two more questions from you. One specific to y'all. The second that we ask everybody, the first, I'd like to hear from both of you about who are your favorite surprisingly queer historical figures? Mm, mm, mm. Okay. We get asked this all the time, actually, and I always like change my answer every time because I'm always um, discovering a new one. So I'm just going to give you the most recent favorite. Um, and it's not so much a person as um, stories about medieval Muslim women um, who are like apparently queer as fuck right so it's just like already i'm shocked right because we're talking about islam we're talking about this um religion that we think is homophobic but actually has this tradition of like love between men and apparently love between women so i found a a, a medical text from like the ninth century in like muslim spain or something that was trying to explain why women rub parts together like why they um, flick the bean. And it was, the whole thing is like, they just get really, really hot in there and you've got to let some of the steam out. So you apply a cold finger to the clip and it's just going on and on about why these like medieval Muslim women 
are raging on each other's vaginas. And I, like, that was such a, such a moment for me. <laughs> It's a refrigerator name. I feel like I get that question a lot from my straight friends uh, <laughs> as well. Particularly my high school friends. It's like, oh, that's the that's the first thing you're going to ask me about dating women? Okay, let's sexualize my, me immediately. Love, Love it. it. Uh, sorry, I mean, sorry to do that to medieval Muslim women, but I, that... That was one of the most surprising moments when to come across where I was like, okay, this guy was not writing that just off the top of his head. Like he definitely heard about some bitches getting off together and was like, I got to write this down for history. Um, and right. he did. And here we are today. And Lucy? Um, I, I feel like mine changes quite a bit too as well, but, and they're not so much the surprising one, like, the surprising that they're queer. It's like the stories behind them that I get like really into and they just happen to be gay. But there's one um, that has remained a constant favorite and his, his name is the Chevalier Deon. And he was this, mm. like, he was also a spy. I think I have a thing for spies. I'll discuss it with my therapist later. Um, but he was this spy for France and England and like moved back and forth between the two, like, but he also happened to look quite a bit like an older woman. Um, so he would dress up and that's like why he was such a successful spy and like was sent off to Russia to go be in whose court? I forget. Um, Empress Elizabeth. Empress yeah. Before Elizabeth. Catherine the Great. Yeah. Um, and like completely passed as a woman, like this elderly woman. <laughs> like, and there were these incredible um, drawings of him. And eventually he was like sent back to England. Uh, uh, sorry, to France and definitely put on blast and, um, you know, ostracized from society because he was dressing up as a woman for his country. Hmm. Very fair. Um, and, but it, it's just like this fascinating story of like how much he was both like praised for doing this, but then when, as soon as it comes down to like making about sexuality, he was completely um, mm. just destroyed and ostracized, which is where it's fun for like, us to come in and be like, no, let's go back to celebrating the incredible dope things he did. And yeah, even when you like stepped up to be the original Mrs. Doubtfire for your country, they still were like, well, <laughs> stay in your lane, bro. That's, okay. <laughs> That's fucked up. Well, uh, our second question then, uh, which I feel like I got a clue to what it could be, but you know, what is it that y'all would like folks checking for? from historical homos going forward. Now, this is your opportunity to do your big plug to all 3,694 of our concurrent listeners right now, what it is. You know, I th I want people checking for, like, that representation. I want people, like, really pushing people to, and especially to make making that representation diverse. Because mm -hmm. um, there is so much that is just, like, old white people history um, <laughs> because that's like most of what we can access. But like, I want to see the stories that we're talking about, like in pop culture in more places. Um, mm -hmm. And if, if people like pressure that pressure, like the people who are making content to do that by knowing about these stories, then to me, that's success. You know, that really like, mm -hmm. that's what I would like to see. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I mean, I'd like to sort of, see it grow beyond just like, you know, Bash and Lucy sitting in a room or an apartment in London or New York making this thing together. Cause at the end of the day, it is 
sort of like what you were saying, Bash, it's, it is about creating this like much larger community. And we've always, another one of our weird dreams was to have like a society almost like a club, a members club, which would not be very expensive, but like have this place where you can go and you can learn and you can have live events and you can be experiencing all of these things. Um, and building like a kind of safe space for a community to be in. Um, but also scream and party and have fun and celebrate, like not just, you know, sit around being like, oh yes, you will get, oh, I'm gay too. It's very hard. There's <laughs> <laughs> a great person in the room. Um, but and specifically for creators, you know, yeah. that's what that idea was, uh, was about, was like, can we get creators to like partner with us? Yeah. to like um, Other artists, other writers, yeah. like there's, there's, it's like time for it to sort of move just, beyond us creating stuff alone um but we'll always be in charge yeah (laughs) you heard it you heard it from them first well y'all this has been such a treat historical homos i think everyone just feels after this episode a little smarter and a little (laughs) bit gayer because let's just be honest smart people are gay and gay people are smart we gotta get out of here Oh, this has been Ain't Nobody Checking For Me. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins. We've had a wonderful guest here with Lucy and Bash Hendra with Historical Homos. Thanks for listening, everybody. We out.